You're listening to Redneck Redemption. Welcome back to Redneck Redemption. <laughs> hey, it's been the first time in a while we've got to put out a new podcast. And so, hey, we are really excited about getting a chance to do this. And looking forward to getting started again with you guys. Drew's been, yes, sir. Drew's been a little bit tied up for a little while. Some of you guys know that he uh, has a position with Uncle Sam, and so that's kind of kept him tied up for a while. But some some things are changing a little bit, so we're going to be free to make some more podcasts. Yes, sir. It uh, may not be. Hopefully we can get a more consistent routine down because I know a lot of you guys are a lot of it, a lot of y'all have approached and asked uh, when we're going to get another one out. Yeah, right. Hey, look, we've been super encouraged by the stuff that you guys have told us. Even in this quiet time while we've been down, uh, just to hear from so many of you. And, uh, and hey, while I'm thinking about this, man, whoever you are that's in France. Yeah. And we said this in this last episode. Every single time we put an episode out, you're like one of the first dudes to listen to this thing. Shoot me an email sometime. I want to know who you are and how in the world you found us. And I'd just like to like to check it out. Hey, my email is uh, brot at windstream.net. B-R-O-T at windstream.net. Love to hear from you, man. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's encouraging kinda... to have people from outside of the states. Yeah, we got folks from all over that listen quite a bit. I wish I, one of these times when we do a podcast, I need to pull up the stats and just and just speak to some of these people. There's some town like up in Washington somewhere where there's a bunch mm-hmm. of people that listen. I can't remember the name of that town, but anyway. So, well, we're just going to we're right now. Uh, man, it's it's fairly late in the evening. Yes, sir. Uh, we're sitting at our cabin. Mm-hmm. Andrew and his wife are in the process of moving from the East Coast and sold their house. And uh, he has, we are presently sitting in the second story of our cabin in Arkansas. And yes, he's sir. about to do some house shopping before too long. Yes, sir. Uh, with this new position that he's got. That's uh, moved him to Arkansas. So he's a whole lot closer to home. You bet. How far, how long, how far is it going to take to get to your house from our house? Oh, it depends on traffic, but uh, probably about two-ish hours. Man, yeah, that's a whole lot easier than 16 hours yeah. apart. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So this is cool to be able to sit in the same room again like we did those first few episodes and talk. Yes, sir. Anyway, well, we're just kind of, we're going to be off the cuff for a second. We just got this chance to do this, and we thought we'd take advantage of it. Oh, yes, sir. All right, so I don't know if you got anything rolling on top of your head. Well, no, I mean. We are sitting in the cabin that we built, which besides shooting yourself with a nail gun, there's quite a few stories entailed in that. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. There, are. We got a lot of history right here. Uh, a lot of history. Man, a lot of blood. Yeah. Quite a bit of blood. <laughs> sweat, tears. Man, I, I'm sitting here remembering, I think, man, I don't know how old you were when we started this thing. I think about 12 or so. 11 or 12, somewhere in yeah, there. Yeah, I'm looking out that window right there. You remember when uh, we were putting the siding up on the side of this mm-hmm. thing? It's the first time I realized, hey, I'm about to have a man on my hands here. <laughs> this kid, he's not just a punk boy anymore. I had a, we, <laughs> I was on a ladder outside. Drew was standing on the second floor. I'm trying to hang this sheet of OSB. Well, let, let's give them a little bit better of a picture because a lot of people aren't familiar with construction. So if there are individuals who are not familiar with how construction goes and what siding is, uh, when you're watching a house go up, uh, the first thing you see is the foundation, uh, and then you see the uh, the, the studs go up, the inside right. of the walls. right. And so we were somewhere between getting the inside of the walls up and the uh, the outside uh, that you see them wrapping plastic up, and that's what he's talking about. Big old sheets of uh, of what they call OSB, which I don't remember off the top of my head what that stands for. Me neither. Oh, we'll call it outside board, but that's not what it sounds. That's not oh, what yeah. else you want to call it. What uh, else could OSB stand uh, for? Everything <laughs> old stinking in my head, board. Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway. <laughs> 
uh, you hang those up and then you'll wrap it in plastic to help insulate it. So that that's the process uh, we were we were going through, and they're about uh, what, uh, is it four by six? It's four by eight sheet. It's a four, a four by, by eight, eight sheet, sheet of OSB, and yeah, uh, and they ain't very light. That's kind of like a compressed chipboard, you know, and it's got it's compressed, packed with glue. Anyway, I'm downstairs. He's upstairs. I'm trying to get this. I'm walking up the ladder. I'm pulling it up to him. He's standing up top and he's holding it. I said, grab the top of it with both hands. He's got the top of it with both hands. Well, he's holding it up, trying to hold it against the side of the house. Man, I slipped somehow. I oh. dropped the bottom half. Well, not so it was slightly bowed. And looking back, I don't know why we did it this way. So, oh, there, that's right. yeah, there was a bow in the OSB from where it warped a little, sitting in the sun up here. Under, I mean, it's underneath the tarp, but you you gonna have a little bit of warp going on, right. especially when you come glue all those materials together uh right. it, it'll cause a, it causes uh internal um i don't know the word yeah, whatever make up something good uh, these people think you really meant it's, it it's like com- uh, it's not compression uh <laughs> when you glue multiple materials together and compress them over time they're going to start taking their natural natural form that that they're originally uh, aligned to pair that with water sunlight and all that stuff you're going to have some warp and uh we faced the warp so that the the uh, ends of the piece of plywood uh, w- that were warped out, so yeah. warped up, you know, it makes almost like a very light U shape. Uh-huh, a little bow. So we, yeah, we faced the, the U away from the wall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we set so, the bottom of, I'm at the bottom, we set the bottom of it on top of the sheet that we put downstairs. Yep. You're holding up there, and I can't remember what happened. I told you to pull it or something other. Well, it slipped off the top, and, man, it would have creamed me on that ladder. But, oh, man, yeah. I looked up. When it slipped off the top, I thought, I'm going to die. <laughs> and I went, ah, I cringed and prepared for the worst, and I'm oh, waiting for, oh, I was waiting for the impact. He, Bam! I, I couldn't see the look on his face, but after, at the time, I guess it's probably 14, 15 years of living with that, I knew the look he had on his face. And uh, his, my great-grandfather, his grandfather, uh, after retiring from the Navy, had uh, come up with, with sayings and words to replace <laughs> things that weren't so uh, uh, edifying, you know. Right. And I heard him say, got the blues, which was one of great-grandpa's, uh, one of great-grandpa's, he got the blues, I got to get down there. And he started scurrying down that ladder, and I said, I can't hold it much longer, Dad, man. you got to do it. I was so thankful to have a, uh, that's when I realized he's becoming a man. He held that whole sheet of OSB, just pinching it like some like some claw pinches, yeah. holding the top of that thing without it falling down and landing on my head and creaming me. Yeah, crab claws on top, and, and <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't like I was reaching down. I was holding it about even with my chin. Uh, yeah. So I wasn't pulling up. I was pushing. Was just, it was It was it, quite a feat. I was oh, proud. I'm still proud of you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I'm here today yeah. because you didn't let that fall and take oh, my head no. off. He probably ended up about like. You were talking about great-grandpa, okay. your great-grandpa, my grandfather. He actually retired from the Air Force, well, uh, but, yeah. but he was in the Navy during World War II. Yeah. And uh, that's when his ship sank. That's quite a story we need to tell sometime. But anyway, yeah. Right, yeah. Also oh. in this room, this is the very room. This is the episode we need to call Brad sometime and get him in on one of these episodes. Oh yeah, this is the we're sitting in the room where, and we've told this story before. Uh, Dad famously shot himself in the knee with a nail gun, 
and Pastor Butterbread, as we call him, uh, said, oh, that looks real. <laughs> oh, yeah, he sure did. He, Man, that looks real. The pants were sucked up inside of my leg. An inch and a half staple underneath my kneecap. It was somewhere in the vicinity of where I am sitting right it's now. It's directly across. It was that piece of OSB right there. Oh, man. yeah. Underneath that pine right there. That's the one because I had it on an angle. I'm slinging it. Bah, 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 well, you were you were standing right about where I, I'm sitting hey, when you jerked it out, weren't you? Yep, I was standing. Yeah, within well, feet of where we are right now. Because I remember coming up here and finding a drop of blood. <laughs> you said <laughs> yeah. I shot myself. You or Brother Brad one told me I shot myself with a nail gun. I said, okay, and then uh, there's blood on the floor up there. That I walked up here. <laughs> hey man, yeah, and I pulled my. When I got, I jerked it. I thought, man, Lord Jesus, please let this come. When I pull these jeans, because it had had my jeans sucked up in the, in my leg underneath my kneecap, I just jerked them jeans real quick. And by the grace of God, that thing had not stuck in any bone. It just went between my kneecap and my and my leg. And so it came out with my jeans when I pulled them out. So I'm saying, man, I wonder what that looks like. So I pulled my pants down. Brad's like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I showed it. He said, oh, he's like passed out, man. I said, I'm the one that got shot. You know? Anyway, hey, look, when you listen this bread don't argue with us that's the way it went down yeah, yeah. that's the way we remember yeah. this is the way we tell the story <laughs> uh it, you'll discover with our family and friends that there's uh there's multiple versions of any story oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah that's why we got to be careful when we do these podcasts yeah. we got to be careful not to retell the same story because we can't we got to make sure we tell the, yeah, same, tell the, the same, same way, way twice. <laughs> still has the same effect Ooh, uh, uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i was walking down the road by myself earlier uh there are multiple memories uh around every corner at this it it really almost feels like there's a lifetime of memories and oh what i guess well eight years eight years that we owned it from the time we bought it built the cabin and then i went off yeah that's about right we've had this place now since uh i think we got this place in 06 05 or 06 Mm -hmm. we've had it 15 16 years now so that's about that's about right yeah eight years before uh the uncle sam you know what i'm glad to hear you say that man because one of the reasons why we got this place it's crazy how we got this place and uh but one of the reasons why we wanted a place of our own up until we the lord blessed us with this piece of property we never really owned anything man uh, debbie and i lived in in parsonages and raised our family in, in the parsonage for for the church that we pastored every mm-hmm. church we pastored had a parsonage and uh, man we realized we had no equity by the way if you're listening to this and you go to a church somewhere and you have a pastor and you still have him in a parsonage i rebuke you in jesus name hey, no i'm just kidding there. <laughs> hey look I, I i'm thankful for those parsonages but what we realized uh was that man i don't have any equity in anything mm-hmm. and now a lot of retired pastors that all they ever lived in was a parsonage they really don't have th- their retirement really struggles because yeah. they never were able to build equity anything anywhere so i was 43 years old when we bought our first house signed yeah. my first note and i realized i'll be 73 when i pay this sucker off mm-hmm. <laughs> but at any rate the, our thinking for this cabin right here was uh or this piece of property was we wanted something that we could build where where these kids uh, could spend some time, make some memories, and then where they got older, they could come back to the place they made memories of. And that wasn't always a guarantee when we lived in a parsonage. And yeah. so, and that has become the case, man. Yes, sir. There's uh, uh, the next generation of the Reed clan is downstairs. That's exactly uh, right. Speak. Got three grandsons downstairs. Yes, sir. And they are a handful. Oh, yeah, man. They made some noise a while ago. Had a, man, our, our oldest, my oldest grandson, Andrew's oldest son, 
just a little while ago, shot a twenty-two for the first time. He's three, mm-hmm. and uh, we believe he's got to start. We should have, man. We, he, we're running behind schedule. Actually, we should already had him shooting well, in twenty-two. Hey, let's back up. <laughs> hey, there's a story right there we could tell about the first time I shot a gun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it involved blood, but uh, it's no big deal. I mean, it's just part of living. But we got to tell the story now because people are wondering. But it was, I thought it would be really cool, man, to. Uh, this is like taking a squirrel hunt, and I had a 410. Well, it's it's I, the same 410, yeah. though. Your great-grandfather, your yes. this 410 belonged to your great-grandfather, was passed down to to my dad. Now, and correct the, me if I'm wrong. Okay. Pa- my papa, your dad, right. learned to shoot with that gun in my... I, that's a, I don't know. That's a oh. good possibility. Well, that's the way I've always been. Well, say what you want, man. We, <laughs> we make this stuff up as we go anyway, right? So, yeah, he, the, my grandfather passed it down to my dad. My dad passed it down to me. That's what I grew up squirrel hunting on. And then, mm-hmm. uh, so when, when Drew was, what, four or five? Somewhere Yeah, somewhere there. around there. I took him squirrel hunting for the first time with that 410. And we didn't see any squirrels, but we saw something we wanted to shoot. And, yeah. uh Anyhow, we won't tell him what that was, but that's uh, at any rate, oh, well, it, it was up in a tree. So anyhow, <laughs> he uh, he gets ready to shoot, and, and I'm really paying close attention to the end of the barrel because that's where the stuff comes out that can hurt you. And uh, but I mean, I'm trying to teach him gun safety and all these things, and so I'm just watching him. And I said, "Okay, son, you aim, you aim, and when you're ready, told him how to put it on fire. When you're ready, pull that trigger and shoot." I'll tell my end of the story. Uh, oh God! Boy, and you can correct me because I was so young, I may not have all the memories. Uh, all right. There now on the other end of the gun, Dad gave me this thing, and I knew how to. I, I knew. How to shoot a gun? Yeah, he'd had uh, BB guns, man. He'd been put, he'd been shouldering a oh, yeah. BB gun for years and yeah. shooting BB well, 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 Nerf years. guns. I mean, and then, anyway, yeah, Nerf guns. Uh, back up. I used BB guns at that point in my life under very close supervision. Under close supervision. Yes. Yeah. All um, dog managed to take out windows that were not intended to be taken out. That was not me. Okay. That was my other brothers. Oh, whatever. Name we'll a window about that, that I here shot just out. a little bit. <laughs> I'll think of it. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so um, so I knew how. You were supposed to fire a firearm. And so I tried to put the gun in my shoulder like you're supposed to do. But the problem was I was four or five, like you said. <laughs> and it was uh, built for somebody who was uh, at least 16. And so if I put the end of the buttstock in my shoulder, I figured out real fast that my short little arms could not reach the trigger. <laughs> well, I wasn't paying attention to this process because... I know he knows how to shoulder a gun, and, and I'm just watching the end of the barrel, make sure it stays pointed the direction it's supposed to, giving him instruction. I'm not paying attention to what he's doing down here at his shoulder. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> so I tried to put it on my shoulder, and it didn't work because I couldn't reach a trigger, so then I tried to put it under my shoulder, and then that posed another problem because I couldn't get my head uh, down far enough behind the rear end. It's a bolt-action 410, which are right. very rare, but right. they, they do exist. Uh, I couldn't get my head down behind that bolt to see down to see my bead to know where i was shooting so then i tried to put it back in my shoulder and all of a sudden this ingenious idea popped in my head i could put it on top of my shoulder (laughs) and i could still get get my head around to see that bb uh at the end which is your little aiming point and so that's what i did and i got it i could see the bead and, and uh Granted, shooting BB guns, those things don't really have much of a kick, but yeah. when you're shooting a BB gun that, that uses powder as a propellant instead of springs or air, it's a total different story. So the last thing I remember seeing is I remember seeing what I was supposed to shoot at. I remember seeing my bead raise up from the bottom, cover it up, and that's 
the next thing I remember seeing is Dad's face saying, are you okay? <laughs> Man, I'm watching the end of that barrel. I said, okay, go ahead, son, shoot. We'll shoot whenever you're ready. So I'm just watching the end of the barrel. He pulls the trigger. When he does, immediately this barrel that I'm watching it starts going backwards. It goes straight up in the air and backwards over the other way. I thought, what in the world? I turn around and look, and the first thing I see is blood. Uh, I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, God, what happened? You know, so I looked down here, and I thought, man, did the, did the thing backfire? Did the bolt fly out of the back? Hit him in the face? I'm in an absolute panic. And my second thought was, what am I going to tell his mother? You know, so, man, I, I, I just, man, when I look back, I thought, what, is, what happened? What in the world just happened? I mean, you know, where's the blood coming from? The blood's coming out of his nose maybe some out of his lip i can't remember for sure. I, I don't remember it's but he, he of course he when he arrested that the the stock of that shotgun on his shoulder you know he leans his face over and he's looking right down the barrel at that beach so when he pulls the trigger instead of kick his shoulder like it would have had it been on his shoulder it just slides back across his shoulder and slams the back end of that barrel into his face mm-hmm. hits his nose busted his nose oh i take that back now that we're kind of going through this I do remember, uh, and it I was four, so memory's not, you know. I think you might have been five. But somewhere anyway. in somewhere in that general sense, I think I was probably about to turn five. Um, uh, but anyway, I remember seeing that bolt come back and thinking, something's not right here. <laughs> <laughs> Something sure wasn't right there in a minute. Uh, yeah, anyway. So the last thing I remember seeing is the back end of the bolt, uh, and then the next thing I remember seeing is, what happened? Okay? <laughs> Unfortunately, we had a short hunting trip that day. I don't think we stayed out there a whole lot longer. No, no, we did back a couple squirrels before that. Uh, <laughs> but that brings us uh, to a good point, you know, on on raising kids. And I'm learning. You you've had uh, four kids worth of experience. <laughs> um, I'm learning too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, for those of you listeners out there, my dad told me. Uh, when he found out I was pregnant, that me and no, I was pregnant, oh, <laughs> that me and my wife were pregnant with uh, our first son, he said, "You know what, son? I'll tell you what. Um, when I figure the rest of this dad thing out, I'll I'll give you a call and fill you in on all the quick details." <laughs> my kid's three. I'm still waiting on that phone. Yeah, call. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but you know, uh, the Bible teaches us to raise your kids up in the way that they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. Right. Uh, and I know probably if you're sitting sitting there listening to this it probably sounds like we're a bunch of crazy rednecks who turn our kids loose with guns way too early but (laughs) i want to point out um one of my earliest memories uh of doing things with my dad uh is they had we had toy guns around the house and uh, uh now granted Mom and Dad had decided, I did not know this until I was about to have kids of my own, but they had decided they were not going to do toy guns because they wanted us to respect firearms, uh, and they didn't want us to think it was okay to point them at anybody. And, well, I man, was about- and, and you know, really, let me explain that part of it. Just before Andrew was born, I think, or sometime before he was born, it was right around that time, the whole thing at Columbine happened, this... Uh, this this mass shooting at a school, and I'm thinking all these kids are getting so acclimated to pointing guns at people. And I thought, you know, I don't want my kids to be practicing pointing guns at people. So mm-hmm. we've made this decision. We're not going to have toy guns at the house for them to be playing with. I mean, I cannot believe I ever made that decision now. Yeah. And now I look back on it, I think, what in the world? Because it didn't last long. Oh, no. I, what, two? One and a half? Oh, two? no, yeah. I don't, you weren't two yet. Oh, yeah. I chewed my uh, mom used to toast uh, she'd put cheese and butter on top of bread and toast it, and it, we called it cheese toast. I wasn't even too. I was chewing. That I think most people call that cheese toast. But uh, anyway, well, go ahead. Yeah, duh. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, 
but you'd be surprised. I have been in the Marine Corps for a little while now, and I'll say cheese toast, and people look at me like I have something weird drawn on my forehead. <laughs> what in the heck is that? It's like you take butter, you put a piece of cheddar cheese on it, put it on the thing, toast it. You ate that? Yeah, yeah. I love or, it. And then, he, and then not only did he eat it, he turned it into weapons. Oh, yeah, I'd chew it into an L, and I'd run around. <laughs> Yeah, he chewed Free. his cheese toes, chewed his cheese toes into the shape of a pistol. Kapow, pow, pow, running around shooting me with his cheese uh, toes. But anyway, thought, back, so back to what I was no saying guns. is uh, uh, I loved to watch anything uh, Western, Pioneer kind of stuff. You know, I grew up on Davy Crockett, John Wayne, all that stuff. Uh, so I reenacted all that stuff as I watched it, and uh, they, they got me little toy guns, you know. And uh, I remember, and I don't even know if you'll remember this, but I remember... I think I was watching Davy Crockett, and I was in the living room uh, in uh, Malta, Texas. Right. And I had that little, uh, it said Old Betsy on the side, that little toy muzzleloader. Uh, oh, was I a remember little, it well. Was, it was a little cap gun, uh-huh. and uh, it, it actually had like a cap block uh, right. on the side of it, and you put one of those little paper caps in there and pull the trigger. <laughs> uh, I thought it was the coolest thing since sliced bread, uh, and I was... I was playing, I was reenacting Davy Crockett, and Dad was walking through the edge of the living room, and of course, uh, for those of you who've never seen the Disney movie, Davy Crockett, uh, he fights, uh, well, I guess the politically correct term now is Native Americans. Correct. Um, but anyway, he fights those, <laughs> those in there, and it was <laughs> one of those scenes, and you can ask anybody who knew me between the ages of two and probably ten, I didn't watch movies, I well, I watched them once, and then from there on, if I watched it again, I was reenacting it as it was. I was playing it out as the main character any time it happened. Uh, so it was at one of the, the fighting scenes, and Dad was walking through the living room, and I lined that sucker up and pulled the trigger, and he looked at me, and he said, I'm going to tell you something, son. If you ever want to handle a real gun or a BB gun, you need to prove to me that you can uh, follow the follow basic gun safety uh, before I ever give you any of that. Right, <laughs> right. So that stuck in my mind, and I know it was a while later before he, I proved it to him. But I remember thinking, oh, I need to prove to him that I can do this. And so incrementally throughout my childhood, he would say, okay, you know, you need to treat every weapon as though it were a loaded weapon and really teach me to respect those firearms. And I'm doing the same thing with Ezekiel uh, we've got four weapon safety rules, and everybody in the military will know them. Uh, treat, never keep, keep. And every time he touches a firearm um, of any sort, I try to. What did you say? That. Treat, never keep, keep. I'm getting there. Treat, never keep, keep. Treat every weapon as if it were loaded. Never pointed a weapon at anything you did not intend to shoot. Keep your weapon on safe until you're ready to shoot. Keep your finger straightened off the trigger until you're ready to shoot. Yeah. And I'm instilling in those in him at a young age, and every time he handles a firearm, just like today, I said, "Hey, these these are these can hurt you. You know, this comes out of the end, and it can really cause damage. You have to respect it." And I don't let him. I don't let my three year old run around with a firearm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so so earlier when we loaded the twenty two for the first time, he's ready to cover his ears because he's afraid it's going to be loud. And you know, and I said it's not going to be that loud, but you may want to cover your ears a little bit. So Drew shot the first time, and then and I said, you you want to shoot it? And he said, oh, Can I shoot it? You know. So he walks over there. Of course, you you can't hardly pull a trigger. He wasn't actually holding the rifle. No. Uh, his dad's holding the rifle just let him pull the trigger so he feels like he shot it you know but you can't pull the trigger and cover both ears and so when when he pulled the trigger 
Now, he wasn't blown away with how loud it was because yeah. it wasn't too terribly loud. But later on, I, I pulled I said, hey, give me one of those bullets. And mm-hmm. so I got a because we had a 20-gauge shotgun sitting there on the porch as well. And so I pulled one of those 22 bullets out, and I said, Zeke, look here. This is what we've been shooting out of that 22. And and you see this yellow shotgun shell? This is what we shoot out of this gun over here. And he said, whoa, because it's way bigger. You know, I said, which, mm-hmm. one do you, which one's bigger? He said, that one is. I said, which one do you think's louder? Oh, yeah, that one. Mm-hmm. It's cool to watch his face. Just imagine. That's got to be Paya. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we did a little demo for him. Yeah. Uh, but those things. an educational are, evening. Yes. Uh, but those things are, are things that you instill in your children. You want them to respect the firearm. You don't sure. want them to just go crazy with it. And then you also want to teach them because as uh, as believers, we're supposed to, to lead those children uh, in a way that, that honors the Lord. Um, and so at a young age for myself, uh, my dad taught me constantly telling me, you need to do this, and this is what I do, but not just telling me, um, but showing me uh, when I was six, seven, we were at Ogden. Yes, sir. Uh, every morning for several years, uh, we would get up before anybody else in the house got up, and he would take me to the church, and he'd say, "Okay, we're we're in our in our, I guess we called it quiet time or something along those lines." Yeah. And he he bought me a journal, and he taught me how the methods that he has used to seek the Lord. And that's gone a long way for me. I've, I've once again, I need, I'm very much trying to get more <laughs> consistent with it. Uh, starting to journal again, uh, but every morning we would go journal, and we would, he would go to one side of the the auditorium at the church, and I would go to the other side, and we would have just us and Jesus time, and then we'd get together, and he'd either have a scripture to read, or he'd have something for us to study, and he began to do that for me at a young age. And as I'm sure most of you who've listened to this podcast can testify, it it, <clears throat> it resonated with me when I was older. Well, you know, you, you quoted that verse a minute ago, train up a child uh, in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. And we know that that means to depart in a way where they never return, depart in a way where they turn their back on that and say that this is never a reality. But also, while you're talking, and I realize not all of our listeners know our family story personally. Uh, Andrew's the oldest of five, and uh, he's, uh, you know, as he tells this, I'm I'm just sitting here, his sister's listening in, and I'm sitting here thinking about his other siblings, and I did not do the same thing with every child that I did with Andrew. <clears throat> you know, I know some of them are listening like, man, when did we get to do that? <laughs> you know, of course, by the time you have five kids, uh, things change just a little bit, and <laughs> yeah. we approach things kind of a little bit of a different way. But, man, I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, for the record, I'm still trying to get consistent about journaling, too. That makes me feel a whole lot better about <laughs> Well, uh, for me, that became something that I did. Uh, I got started doing that probably uh, about the year after Andrew was born because uh, I did some before then, but I changed the way I did it a year or two after he was born because I— I realized one day that I, I, there were some things I needed to pray about and uh, and not just say a quick prayer about. I needed to be uh, very serious about these matters. And so I just, uh, matter of fact, it's weird where I was. I was there this past week again, and this was 20-something years ago. I was at the Bowie County Courthouse in New Boston, Texas. 
and I was on the second floor. I was going to be waiting for a little while there because of a little situation I was trying to help somebody with. And so I, I just pulled out my journal and I decided I'm fixing to write this prayer down. I'm just going to write this down. And I started writing and I started just writing a letter to the Lord, writing a prayer out. And uh, as I wrote that, it was amazing to me how God dealt with me and spoke to me and spoke through me to me while I'm uh, He's speaking to me through my pen while I'm just writing down my thoughts and my prayer to him. And anyway, it's become an effective way for me to communicate with with the Lord and to also get some inspiration. It never ceases to amaze me how many times when I'm writing something, man, he'll just show me something I really wasn't expecting him to show me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and writing or talking or or, you know, there's there's a whole even times we've been sitting around on this podcast, I'll yeah. be talking about something and and something clicks inside inside my head oh that's why this happened or this is you know i've orchestrated this or uh, not necessarily y'all can attest it's not been no great thunder clapping oh god's talking that old boy over there you know um but uh it'll click and you just you see things and a lot of it has to do with reflecting back sure uh and you know, in our culture, me and my wife spend uh, probably more time than we should talking about uh, how we don't like the way this is going with our culture, that's happening, and right. and then in the same phrase, we're uh, beat, beating ourselves down. To, uh, you know what? I've probably spent about four hours watching YouTube today. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Uh, but anyway, what are we, how are we doing on time? I see you. Oh, no, we're doing great. I was just checking to see. I was just checking it out for a minute because... Uh, yeah, I'm just thinking about some things I'd love to be able to share okay. later on. Um, it, it, but our culture pushes you so hard to look ahead, look ahead. You need to do this, and you need to hurry up and do that, hurry up and do that, hurry up and do that. And uh, here a while back, I was simply reminded that, that sometimes you just need to be still. Even Scripture says, be still and know that I am God. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I found in my life, especially over the last year or so, is just to look back and say, look what he's done so far. Uh, and, you know, you, you meet a lot of people who are, oh, I just, I don't know how the Lord's going to do this. I don't know how the Lord's, I don't, I, I don't, you know, I don't know what he's doing. And just, just take time, take a step back, look back and reflect on what he's done so far. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you'll be impressed at how much that will help build your faith and overcome those doubts. Yeah, you know, you're right. I was just sitting here thinking when you said that, about a verse, probably everybody listening that knows much about the scripture can quote Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 28, where it says that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Now, that's uh, sometimes we use that as a Band-Aid verse when bad things happen and we're trying to help people out, you know. And uh, by the way, that's not always the most effective verse to quote to somebody. I know people say, man, the word's the word. It's always effective. Well, yes, it is. But sometimes when somebody's just going through a major tragedy, Man, they know that verse. You know, don't don't just try to use it as a band aid, but look at the rich depth of what it states. You know, God God causes, and we don't cause. He causes all things to work together for the good, not just of everyone. And that's not a true promise for everyone, but it's only for the good of those who love the Lord. Number one, and are called according to His purpose. Okay, so while you're sitting here talking about, and you say things just come together, things mm-hmm. just come together. You know, we wouldn't be doing this if God had not done a turnaround in your life mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you realize, I have something to say yeah. and I have a testimony to share and I think other people can relate. And, and because of your intention and even us getting started in this, 
the Lord surprises us at times how he'll just, uh, one, he makes it fun. He makes it natural. He's already given us everything we need to do everything we're ever going to need to do. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and because of that, uh, all of a sudden there's moments when it just connects. Hey, look, I'm just going to tell you, that happens to me a lot in the pulpit, man. Oh, yeah. When things come together or in life, uh, when things come together. I had something happen last week, and I was like, what? That's a whole setup. That's a whole sermon. That's mm-hmm. a whole, you know, that's a whole chapter of a book, man. Thank yeah. you, Lord. Yeah. I didn't, but I didn't mean to plan that, but it even just makes it come together at the right time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've talked about before, uh, if you take time to look, it, it's just like, it's just like when, when you're hunting, you know, you have to learn to take the time to look uh, and, oh, yeah. and go deeper than just, oh, well, are there acorns over here? What's it going to keep, you know, oh, there, there's an acorn tree, so the deer have to be here. Well, it goes a little deeper than that. You've got to learn, okay, well, there's an acorn tree. What kind of acorns are, what kind of acorns is it? Where are the deer going to bed? You have to take time to look at the whole thing. And as time goes on, you know, um, you're able to walk out into the woods and say, hmm. I bet the deer are walking through this spot to get to this spot because they're bedding over there. Right. You learn to see those things. If you learn to look for the way God's moving and the way God's speaking, you'll see them everywhere. I say all that because the other day, me and my oldest was sit down watching Tarzan. Tarzan. And uh, there's one of those songs. It says, uh, in learning you will teach, and in teaching you will learn. I've never caught that line in that song before, but it. So it you're clicked. still learning from Tarzan. It was an yeah. educational film. It was an educational film, Tarzan. <laughs> what do you know, Disney? Thank you, Disney. Uh, but no, seriously. It, you know, he said, "In learning, you'll teach, and in teaching, you'll learn." And I was like, "Hmm." Here is a secular movie. You know that. Right. They're not pointing you towards Christ, but they get the idea of things that are that are going on. I. Paul talks about it, in, or the scripture talks about uh, how in learning you gain understanding. And, oh, sure. And, and then in other places it talks about by passing wisdom you'll you'll gain understanding or gain learning um, in a couple different places. And I, I can't yeah. read chapter and verse well, right now. I, I, you know, Proverbs chapter 17 speaks to that some. I just happened to have read that earlier this week. Uh, many of the Proverbs talk about that. Mm-hmm. One of those Proverbs I've read just this week uh, talks about uh, learning and understanding, and he that he that loves understanding will always be learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but just ironically, it just goes <laughs> along with what we're talking about. Because um, I know a lot of, I, I've met a lot of people in my life, not recently, uh, but they're, they're scared to teach or instruct or whatever the case may be because they say oh i don't i I don't know enough yet i I need to be this i need to have this together and figure this out in my life Mm -hmm. and they're just scared to take that step and a lot of times uh if you'll take that step uh to begin learning or to begin teaching you'll learn a lot more than you ever would have otherwise oh yeah absolutely and i've learned more you know, I tell these guys out at the rehab, we teach a place called Straight Streets, a 90-day faith-based. You've heard us talk about it, a little in-house uh, addiction recovery program, place for guys to come stay. And, uh, man, even though I've got a, I have a degree in biblical studies, languages, Greek and Hebrew, i got a piece of paper on my wall. Uh, I promise you I have learned more sitting on this particular ottoman in the den of, of that, center of straight street 
uh, teaching class mm-hmm. uh, than I have any classroom that I ever sat in anywhere. And I learned some, I had some great professors and learned some great things. But man, life teaches you great things, but it's the Holy Spirit who really teaches you via the Word of God. And in those moments, man, there's been a ton of moments when we just, we crank open the scriptures and I just start asking questions. And the next thing I know, man, God is speaking to me through the answers some of these guys are giving. Yeah. And, uh, and it's those moments when you realize this is way, way bigger than me. And this is clicking for all of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, but I learn more when I'm teaching. Uh, I, I'm always the one who learns the most when yeah. I'm teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm, yeah, I really don't have anything to add to it. You're looking at me like I'm supposed to keep going. <laughs> well, make something up, son. You're supposed to be a natural at that. <laughs> hey, one of the first times that we, uh, one of the first times that we sat down and recorded, we we recorded a bunch of different scriptures, and one of the ones, one of the very first ones that you quoted, was Romans chapter twelve, verse one and two. And uh, Romans twelve one and two says, I, "I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living mm-hmm. sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable act of worship, mm-hmm. your reasonable act of service." And then the second verse says, uh, "But be, but don't be, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, mm-hmm. that you may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God." And man, I have been in our church. Man, I've been preaching on that for like a month and a half now. About the word, they're sick of me. Said, "Turn in your Bible too." And just <laughs> we already turned there. Just get it over with. No, <laughs> that's not the way it is. But uh, in the midst of all that, I got a phone call, and this is what I started to tell you earlier about one of our friends. We you t- we tell them stories from yesterday. I got a phone call from Rich Person. <laughs> And uh, this is this dude's real name, by the yes. way. I'm not making this up. His first name, his name is, well, it's Richard Person. But anyway, we call him Rich Person. Yep. But anyway. That's, that's the way he introduced himself yeah. to us. Yeah. Uh, to which his buddy responded, oh, that's nothing. I, I know a guy named Cash Register, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember the first time I saw his mailbox. I was driving down the highway, and I, thought, I said, is that mailbox? That's a cash, it says Cash Register. And then uh, when I, I met that dude, anyway. Hey, yeah. well, that ain't. Nothing. Old John Farber introduced me to a guy named Harry Butts. <laughs> okay, moving right along. <laughs> moving. You made me forget what I was fixing to tell. Man, who was I talking rich person. about? Oh yeah, rich person. Rich person. I got a phone call from him this week, man. So this guy, Rich, used to live with us for a while. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell him we talked smack about him today. So right. yeah, so he'll pull up and he'll get to listen to this episode. I am quite certain. Uh, but at any rate, he called me one day this week, man, and he, he like, sent me a text on Thursday, and uh, I was somewhere doing something, and I couldn't I couldn't call him at the moment. He said, hey, when you get a chance, call me, and it was a couple of days later before I remembered. So I called him, and he starts telling me this story. He said, man, I did something really stupid the other day, and I thought about you. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, thank you, Rich. Uh, but long story short, what he had done was uh he he kind of lost it uh he lost his temper and uh and he hurt himself as a result of losing his temper and i said man why did that make you think of me and he said well he shared me a story i'll relate to you in a minute let me tell you a little bit about how he lost his temper what led up to it (laughs) he said man so i hadn't seen rich in a long time he's got this long beard man Mm -hmm. i'm talking it's a cool looking long i don't know how long it took him to grow that beard out that long but it's Oh, long beard, and this is just such a cool-looking dude, man. But anyway, he said, Well, Todd, have you ever got your beard hung up in a leaf blower? <laughs> I said, Do what? In a leaf blower? Man, I said, like, 
I was trying to visualize how do you get your beard hung in a leaf blower, and then it dawned on me how you get your beard hung in a leaf blower. I said, you're talking about the little intake part? He said, mm-hmm. man, yeah, I'm just we, I'm just blowing, and man, all of a sudden, man, that, my beard sucked up in the intake part. And he said, by the time I got that thing killed, it almost pulled it all the way up to my face, man. And he's got, and his beard is long. Uh, he said, man, you, so you stand in there with a weed, with a, with a, uh, with a with a leaf blower hanging off your face, man, your whole beard's. T- I said, "Oh my god!" I was afraid, you know. I thought he was about to tell me he had to cut it off. But oh yeah. He said, "Man, I managed to get it out of there. It took a while, <laughs> took a while. But I was unbraiding and unknotting and unwinding my beard off the shaft of the thing." He said, "But I mean, that was just one thing, and then another thing happened, and then." You know, it's a bunch of little things, and he he remembered this thing I had said years ago, and he said, you remember when you said something about, you know, which is worse, to to be swallowed by a whale or nibbled to death by minas? Because I heard somebody say that, when I get to heaven, I want to talk to Jonah. I'm going to ask him, which is worse, to be swallowed by a whale or nibbled to death by minas? He said, man, the minas are killing me, bro. And he said, they were just stacking up on me the other day. And and he said, the final one was I came home, and and, uh, when I got home, I was working on this truck, and all my coolant that I had just put in there leaked out on the ground. And I thought, oh, great, it's cracked. The block's cracked or something's cracked. And he said, man, I just, I knew all the work that that was going to go into, everything else. He said, so he just lost it, man. Mm-hmm. And he, I'm sure none of our listeners can relate to that. No, yeah, they're more <laughs> sanctified. The crowd that we have listening, you know, yeah. our subscribers, they, they don't go, they don't no. get into stuff like this. They, they never lose their cool or have moments like that. That's why they listen to us, because yeah. they're like, there are really idiots out there that, re- that live this way. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, let's tell you about a bunch more of them. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Rich is telling me, he said, well, but Todd, you know, I, I lost it. And, and he doesn't do that real often. But uh, he just kind of left hooked his... Uh, the mirror, the back side of the mirror on his truck. By the way, he just got a message from me. He'll be having surgery next Thursday to, to correct the things in his mm. hand that kind of got messed up on impact. Yeah. Uh, I said, Rich, why did that make you think of me? He said, you remember when I was living at your house? I knew the story. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, it all came back to me because he was messing with me one day, and I was trying to get no. out of my bedroom. Oh, no. he, he No. What do you mean, No. I was trying to get out of the bedroom. Well, he, you were trying to, you had to go somewhere. I had to go somewhere, that's right. Yeah, and he wasn't holding the door. He was, it was uh, uh, me and the boys, me and the other boys were playing in the living room. We kept knocking on the wall, and uh, you had to keep coming out telling us to quit it. And so then we got, we realized it kind of antagonized you, so we'd go over there and knock on the wall or the door. Uh rough hiding around out there oh yeah the and rest then, of the story is coming back to me now oh yeah and then and then <laughs> you finally came out there and you said you boys go to your room you're gonna break something in here uh uh so it, it was a common occurrence at our house for us to uh uh as you can see me and dad like to antagonize people a little bit sometimes so uh <laughs> it's just a natural born in thing and and uh <laughs> we may or may not have done that a few times to dad when we realized that uh we his dander was up, you know, just kind of see how far we could push him before he, you know. Before you found out how far. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we pushed him about to his limit. And then here comes old rich person, do 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 do, do in his chill way. And he needed to ask dad a question. <laughs> what he didn't know. 
<laughs> dad was about to go through the roof because he had about 600 things going on and us boys had uh, been roughhousing in the living room knocking on his wall he kept thinking somebody was knocking on the door so he came out to it so rich just walked up and knocked on the door <laughs> yeah but yeah but you'll have to ask rich this because this is the way he remembered this way he told me he didn't realize the heat of the moment uh <laughs> He knocked on the door, and I'm thinking, what? And, and But he also, he held the door handle where I couldn't open the door. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that it was Rich. I thought it was one of you guys. Well, he was well, trying maybe to open I the did door. know. I can't remember. Well, all I know is I kind of lost it a little bit. and I kind of in the door. I, I, did, I was not going to say that part. I, <laughs> it was a holocord door. Uh, <laughs> I just, I was going to make a point. And, uh, hey, I will tell you from the other <laughs> side of that door, the look on Rich Person's face. Yeah, I know. Hey, you know what? When he called me the other day, this has been, by the way, it was before I was, I was, I was only a fraction of the sanctified man I am now. So, mm-hmm. so anyway, that was, uh, this was about 15, 16 years ago. But when I, does it doesn't seem like it could have been that long ago, does it? Well, it could have been about, probably about 12. Wait a minute. Yeah, no, because he was living there. Hannah's 16, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was 16 years ago. It yeah. was the year Hannah was born. At any rate, yeah, and what he said the other day when he called me, he said, man, I, I hadn't thought about that again. I don't just dwell on that, but immediately, he said, I just felt like the Lord helped me remember that. And he said, call Brother Todd. He'll <laughs> understand. And uh, so anyway, we had a good conversation about it. And, you know, I, I, he, he said, I said, let me guess, when when you opened that door and you saw me, he, he said, man, I, first of all, he was shocked. Mm-hmm. He wasn't expecting that out of me. But I think, secondly, something in him went, oh, he does, Brother Todd does that too. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so just a, a measure of reality mm-hmm. uh, at any rate. Yeah. People, we do stupid things sometimes, but we have to learn how to how to learn from what we do. Matter of fact, that's what I was going to say. Rich said, he said, you know what's crazy? Uh, what the problem ended up being with that motor in his truck was not a cracked block or a cracked head or whatever he thought it was. <laughs> he, had a, he had a bad hose. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, he, I knew as soon as you said it was leaking, so he probably had a bad hose. You know, and he block. just jumped to the wrong conclusion. But he had so many other things that had stacked mm-hmm. up on him at that point in time and that week. And so he, uh, at any rate, he, you know, he's... He he reacted in a way that cost him. As a matter of fact, what he said to me on the phone was, "What well, I said, dude, can I quote you on that? And he said, you might as well. <laughs> uh, but he said, man, the problem that I was dealing with or that I thought I was dealing with and I had blown it to be such a big thing in my mind wasn't nearly as big as the problems I created overreacting to what I thought. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, when, when my flesh overreacts, uh, you know, I create more problems in moments of outbursts of frustration and anger uh, than I would than I had in the first place. You know, yeah. I thought, man, that's a great point. You know, he, he created more. The problem that he had initially wasn't nearly as big as the problem he created with the wrong reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, we do we do stuff like that to ourselves all the time without yeah, even we do. realizing it. Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are things that we those are things that we have to come to a place that we learn from, and that's what life is about, man. Just learning these lessons and, and living them, and laughing at ourselves, and then crying, and paying the doctor bills. You know, yeah, cleaning up the blood. Yeah, we've done a lot of that around here. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we most definitely have. Especially when it comes to doctor bills. Uh huh. <laughs> well, we've uh, yeah, we've got. Broken bones. You broke your brother's arm like a big madman. That's the time you punched a brick wall. Yeah. And uh, at any rate, that's a whole other time. Yeah, we'll have to save that for another podcast. Yeah. 
Well, you guys, hey, it's just great to uh, to sit across these mics with, and talk again and kind of share with you some of our life stories and try to encourage you some. Uh, I started saying something a minute ago about that passage that Drew brought up so many months back uh, about Romans 12, and especially the part, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. Hey, here's what God will do. He'll use circumstances in your life every day uh, to teach you kingdom-level truths. And especially the more you more you get into the scriptures, the more you get in the Word of God, the more you're going to recognize the things in your everyday life, and you'll realize how relevant the the Bible really is to today and to every single moment. And there'll be moments when all of a sudden God will show you something through a normal everyday event, and something clicks inside of you and say, "Oh, that's what that meant in the mm-hmm. Word." And so we want to encourage you to get in that Word and and ask God to renew your mind. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that some more in future episodes. Yes, sir. If you're not, if you keep going like this, you're gonna get me back on the bows again. Uh, I, I, you know what? I, I was just sitting here thinking, if we get through this whole episode and he doesn't say anything about a bow, <laughs> there's some people across the there's some people across the globe gonna be a little bit disappointed. Oh yeah. Well, it, it, okay, I'll do it. Yeah, ah, I figured you, you just might. <laughs> well, you know, when you're talking about uh, a living sacrifice, yes. Uh, here, here's the thing. It, we were talking about it earlier, and when you brought that scripture up, it brought the tree that's laying out front to mind. Yeah. Um, that tree was a living, breathing plant at yes, one it point. Was. And it died and fell over. Yes, it did. And the plan was, I was going to cut a sliver of it off and try to use it for bow wood. Well, the problem is, it has laid in this place for so long with no life breathed into it, either by, uh, from the roots... Or from someone else restoring the life, that it's now useless. Right. So, along with your point, God's showing you, oh, that's what the scripture means. If you become stagnant as a bow stave, right. you're going to begin to rot. Mm-hmm. This tree's been laying out, exposed to the weather, exposed to the elements. And if you think about it from the bow stave perspective that I've used so many times, I've, I talked about how we have the option of letting God work with us. Right. If you are so scared to take that next step in your uh <clears throat> in becoming a tool for the master's use, you're uh you're gonna start rotten. Yeah. You know? Uh just because you're stagnant doesn't mean you're in a time of seasoning or you're in a time of usefulness. You may need to reevaluate yourself and say, hmm Am I doing, is there something going on in my life that, that's working me towards the kingdom's goals or being a useful tool in the master's, Man, master's you, ways? You know what? And, and, and hold on. Just, Good, just keep, you, okay, keep going. I'm looking up a verse. If you're not living, you're dying. You know what I mean? If yeah. you're not a living sacrifice, if you're not living as a sacrifice, in other words, you're not submitting to the master's ways, you're gonna you're gonna rot away and be useless. Mm-hmm. I was uh, I was talking to a guy today. I was talking with Mike Powell today, actually, and he brought up this verse in Matthew chapter seven, verse nineteen. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Mm-hmm. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. You know, you were talking about that rot. You know, there's some things that happen before the rot begins, but the first thing that starts the rot is uh, just the life source is cut off. It's cut off from the life source. Mm-hmm. 
You know, these particular trees that Drew's talking about got blown over in a storm a couple of years ago. Well, a year and a half ago. No. It was a year ago last Easter. So, yeah, a yeah. year and three or four months ago. So their roots are no longer in the ground. They've been exposed. They're not. These trees aren't producing the sap that's needed to bring life to them. And so mm -hmm. their, their life source got cut off from them. Well, the, the stage they're actually in right now, they're, they're not actually, they're not rotten yet. But they've, they're not just seasoned. They're past seasoned. Yeah. They're dried up. They're drying up. And, you know, the, the scriptures talk about, you remember the passage where, uh, well, I've, I've referred to this a lot lately, the passage where this, this person's demon-possessed, and uh, where they get the demons cast out of them, and, and it, but it says, the, the scripture says what, what happens when, when, that, when that demon leaves, he goes and he searches out and he dwells in the dry places. Mm-hmm. And then eventually he'll come back, and if he finds your house clean and swept, and it's empty still, he'll bring seven of his worst cousins back with him, and the last state of that person is worse off than the first state of that person. And you know the, the point of that is this: you know it, when you when the when God calls you to remove one thing from your life, don't just remove that one thing. Or even if you've been you've suffered from some kind of demonic oppression, and that is a very real thing in our culture, in our world, always has been a real thing. And you get delivered from something. Don't leave that place hollow. Fill it with something else, mm -hmm. because uh, otherwise there's gonna be a greater, stronger, or worse temptation to come to to fill that. You need something to fill that void. And obviously, you want to fill that void with the Word, with, with your relationship with Christ. Uh, you know, with your relationship with the Holy Spirit. But uh, man, when, when I when I'm just looking at that passage and thinking about that story, uh, dry places, dry places that says that, that that demonic spirit goes and dwells in dry places. I was listening to a guy preaching the other day, and he said, man, if that's the case, the last thing I want to be is dry. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be in a dry place. And so just like you said a minute ago, and there may be somebody listening right now, you've been in a really dry place. And the man, the Lord wants you to know you don't have to stay there. No. Uh, uh, jump back in the river, yeah. you know, uh, plug back in. And sometimes that's a choice that you make. Now I realize sometimes you may be trying. You just feel like you're in a, you're in a dry. It's one thing to be in a dry place. It's another thing to be in what feels like a dry season. Uh, but don't stay there. And maybe it is that right now God wanted you to hear this word today because He's telling you, your dry place, your dry season, your dry moment's about to be up. Uh, because I've got something for you. I didn't create you to lay here and dry up. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, pose again. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, I've talked about it before, but you have that seasoning process. Right. Uh, and what you're talking about, to me, they align. And if it don't make sense, you can cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> um, in order for a bow stave to season, it needs to be dry. What you're talking about with these trees, they're not rotten yet, but they're probably too dry for me to make a bow stave out of because right. they've been exposed to the wrong elements for too long. Right. Too much of that moisture has escaped. Right. So if you spend too much time in the wrong or potentially the right elements or um, environment, you can become too dry and you'll be brittle. Right. And that's not to say you can't be used mm -hmm. uh, because I've had a couple of both days that I've allowed to get a little too brittle. Uh, and I'll take and I'll make uh, something else useful to a bow out of them. I've got a the bow I'm shooting right now that I made. Uh, I used uh, one that was too brittle. I cut the heartwood out of it and I uh, 
used it to add some meat onto my handle uh, so it has a good a nice pistol grip on it and uh, tip overlays uh, but if you allow yourself to become too dry uh, you won't be useful as a bow you'll be useful as as something else right so what dad's saying is that don't get so comfortable being in a dry place or a place of seasoning that you're scared to take the next step and allow the master to to work you yeah you know if if those bow staves sat in my drying rack too long and and they had the option and they never chose to allow me to pick one up and take it over to my to my workbench mark the bow out and start working on it uh then they're going to be useless to me you know a season is something that passes mm-hmm. it's for a season it's mm-hmm. a temporary thing a place is a resting spot it's a it's something that doesn't change doesn't pass yeah and so that's the difference in a, in a dry season or in in being seasoned or coming to a dry place and just settling settling for that dryness yeah you know uh, god's got something way more for us than that but you know you talked about what happens if you stay too long in one place and you become dry and 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 brittle you know i'm sure somebody can relate uh can relate to that you put yourself in the wrong environment or you find yourself in the wrong environment for a great length of time mm-hmm. and uh and it just it's going to dry you out yeah so so what do you do then you put yourself in a different environment right yeah. put yourself in a different environment where you can uh undry so to speak or yeah. or soak up some semblance of of that moisture right right and there are people I've seen who will take both days that are too dry and throw them in a creek for a month or two. Yeah. yeah immerse yourself in something that's totally mm-hmm. the opposite or is exactly what you need. And uh, otherwise, you're going to continue to dry out. Yeah. Well, we'd have been in trouble probably if uh, I had somebody just this last week. It's been weeks since we recorded. No, it's week before last. Somebody said, man, your son was talking about about some bow staves and a god began to deal with me and i thought what how in the world is so many people are so affected by these stories about these bow staves but obviously he's been speaking to you about it, he's speaking to other people about it too mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so now y'all don't y'all can't gripe at me for not talking about <laughs> hey you guys thank you for listening today we're gonna get together again real soon hopefully and uh hey shoot us some encouragement or if you have any questions if we can do anything for you shoot us an email uh, bro T at windstream.net B-R-O-T at windstream.net We'd love to hear from you guys And uh, anything in particular Some of you actually know us uh, Have some stories in common with us Or have heard us talk at different places before And you're like I wish they would tell this story Hey shoot me an email and say mm-hmm. uh, Yeah hey would you tell this story Or would you yeah. tell this story again Because uh, we've only just begun Oh yeah we've got so many stories We <laughs> we, we normally spend about 10 or 15 minutes On the front side of our podcast trying to figure out what story uh we need to tell so uh we we forget what stories we have i was telling dad a story earlier this evening and uh he said no i completely forgot about that one yeah yeah you know and so we're not gonna be afraid to repeat stuff either look we're, we're the kind of guys that'll tell you hey if you've heard that just act like you hadn't heard this before let's go again uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey you guys uh y'all have a great one we'll see you next time yes sir